Hello and welcome back. <clears throat> Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. Today is Thursday, December 17, and uh, I'm continuing the reading of uh, Chittakash Gita uh, from the book uh, Voice of the Self by M.P. Pandit, the sayings and teachings of Nityananda. We're in the middle of page 53, and... Um, the last, <clears throat> in, in the middle of 53, from the PDF, or from the original book, Voice of the Self, uh, there was some deep teaching about um, mind and uh, perception of reality. Before I do that, I just want to remind people, uh, please uh, look at, if you're looking on YouTube, at the bottom of the text description, you'll see five links. Two of them are the blog spot uh, or the podcast options. So the podcast channel keeps getting uh, filled. It's a mirror to the YouTube channel. Some people I know are listening on the, one of the podcast platforms. So all nearly all 850 talks can be found on one or both or both together of the podcast channels. Uh, those are stable, <laughs> more stable than YouTube going forward, I would imagine. Then there actually is an archive.org repository of almost all the talks as well. Not so well organized, but you'll find lots and lots of good stuff. Then there's also, I added the link to the uh, PDF compilations of the raw material and free essays. So there are PDF documents that are raw material compilations and essays from uh, Universal Vision. Uh, all is free, as well as book three, the third book, uh, in a PDF form on um, another site that I have. And then finally, there is an audio book of Universal Vision. It's in two parts, I believe, on SoundCloud and um, uh, that's available. Um, <clears throat> it was a little strange for me to read 50 chapters. It's kind of strained. I, I enjoyed this talking more than that, very formal audiobook presentation. So I'm a little stiff in the talking there, but you might like it. And it's an easy way to get through uh, Universal Vision. So those are five links in the text description under the video on YouTube. So, um, today is uh, episode 38, and <clears throat> from the middle of page 53, uh, again, Nichinanda makes a, a very clear distinction between uh, levels of mind, functions of mind, manas and buddhi, the manasic function of logic analysis, and very tied to mind-body identification, very tied to subject-object, very tied to the common way of experience or the common ways of perception. And uh, particularly um, of the five senses, the five physical senses and the mental sense, particularly of this world perception, conception, experience, belief, and not particularly metaphysical, yet the higher function is buddhi, 
<clears throat> and both of those are uh, functions of mind and feed into the quality of consciousness uh, that uh, whose transformation is the spiritual path. The spirit transformation of consciousness or expansion of consciousness is one way of understanding the entirety of spiritual path. And so at the, the middle paragraph or verse on 53, uh, Nityananda said, So too, without subtle discrimination, which is buddhi, there's no purpose, meaning no, no purpose, no deep purpose in life unless one is aware of the spiritual uh, perspective or perspe- perception of, of existence. Snake bite <clears throat> in dream does not kill. There's no mind working then particularly monastic mind. Only when the mind or monastic function is there, is there everything, all the things. The whole creation is an ideation of the mind. To the inward gaze, there is no creation. Very similar to Ross saying, um, you are dancing thoughts, meaning our sense of self and our sense of the apparent solidity, substantiality, solid, abiding reality, of phenomena is a dream, uh, a dream made by the mind. And that's, uh, it doesn't mean that it's unreal, it means that it's insubstantial. It's apparently real. And so there's a difference between apparently real and essentially um, empty of um, the the kind of substantiality or solidity that we believe is of... uh, of phenomena and of uh, aspects of self. And so, uh, uh, dancing thoughts (laughs) means vibrating mind creation. And so, to the inward gaze, there is no creation, Nityananda said. The inward gaze is of buddhi. It's uh, akin to equality of sight or equal equal sightedness. It's a perceiving non-duality. And it's not the end of the path, but um, one is, it is an expansion of normal perception, uh, where we can see the many, but now we can also see the many is one. <clears throat> and that comes with time. And it really, the gateway to that is love, is Green Ray. So, starting new material, middle of 53, I'll read the uh, verse and then comment on it. Nityananda said, sleep less at the beginning. During the practice of moderation in food, do not bathe in cold water. This is for people who are doing certain practices. If you bathe in cold water every four or five hours, that may be the practice, there will be no proper blood circulation. The character in a drama first rehearses inside and then plays outside on the stage, first in private and then in public. Pour water in a vessel that is full, it will flow out. Similarly, when peace, capital P, when peace, Shanti, is getting full, all will come or all come to know of it. Such a man has no desire. This is the highest peace, the full peace, union. In the form of peace is God. Om, form of peace. In himself, he is without form, without change, Without thought, he, capital H, he is absolute bliss. As you lull the child to sleep in a cradle, place the mind as pillow inwardly and sleep. Pass in every test. 
Unless you pay, you do not get employment. To say you know how to talk in English but cannot write in it is certainly no passing. So this is obviously a composite of um, various uh, guidance, various forms of guidance to perhaps multiple disciples or devotees in the room. You need to mute there, and so. Uh, while some people were doing this practice, other people were not doing any. Um, the details of uh, cold water bathing uh, technique, I don't know so much. But there are a couple of other sayings here that I think are useful. Uh, one is uh, this transit from pro- from private to public. Uh, akin to the transit between inner transformation and then uh, interpersonal expression. Uh, Ra said, uh, healing is first practice on the self. Uh, Love and wisdom, or the basis of service, right? Also the basis of effective service is green, blue, indigo. It's the development of higher chakras. Not exclusive of the lower, but certainly without, without blockage of lower. And so the more... There's love wisdom. The more we have understanding and uh, ability to know the mind of others and be present for them as well. But that's practiced first inwardly. That's practiced first um, in private. Uh, and and this, this comment, similarly, when peace or shanti is getting full, all come to know of it. Uh, as the inner develops to a certain point, it becomes uh, obvious uh, for the outer, in the sense that uh, when the mind um, is increasingly clear or well or pleasant with oneself, one, one's, one, has a, one is comfortable in one's own mind. One's mind has a, a basic peace that keeps growing. Um, it becomes more and more apparent to those with eyes to see outwardly. And so pour water in a vessel that is full, it will flow out. Uh, Similarly, when peace, with a capital P, is getting full, all come to know of it. And and that peace, shanti, he equates with no desire, which could be understood in Buddhist terms as uh, freedom from tanha, craving, craving, clinging, which comes over time. And so there's an inverse relation. The more desire, the less peace the less desire, the more peace. But it's not the suppression of desire. It's the uh, dissolution of the roots of desire or craving. And that really takes time. And commonly, we can't be free of the roots of certain desires or craving until we've uh, allowed ourselves to uh, experience the, the cycle of seeking to fulfill those desires, seeking objects of desire seeking to get and have and cake and keep and get rid of and keep that away and all of that, grasping and aversion. There's a lot of grasping and aversion that happens unconsciously. There's a, a bit of grasping and aversion or a lot that happens consciously, and we simply have to go through it. I mean, an old soul is commonly more evolved than a young soul because of the time spent reincarnating and uh, going through trial and error and experiencing you know uh, the results of um, seeking to fulfill desires 
Um, but over time, uh, if one is continually developing the green, blue, indigo, or uh, bringing love, wisdom, discernment, and understanding to uh, an analysis of how am I doing? Uh, how did that work out for me? How was that really? Is this really what I want? Is it really fulfilling? How deeply, how, how valuable has, have I found the consequences of these desires to be? Doing this, doing that, uh, rejecting that, rejecting this. Uh, how am I now? And that kind of sensitivity to our process is critical uh, to, make, <laughs> to, to increase well-being. But over time, that does, if one is seeking um, balance in, in love and honesty and really being honest with oneself, one will find the roots of certain desires dissolving over time. And so, again, another analogy or image he uses is sleep, and so that the yogi um, is sleeping while awake. But it's sleeping not by ignorance, it's sleeping by the um, radical uh, freedom from craving and clinging, and and a peace of mind that's, that's stable. So, now, top of 54, he, Nityananda said, and this is actually a very interesting verse because it, it throws our common sense of chakras uh, into a different frame. Nityananda said, The throat chakra, fifth chakra, is the muladhara, which is root chakra, where originates kundalini. For this throat center is the center of the heart sky, Sridayakash, is the center of the eyebrows, so he's really saying fifth chakra is sixth chakra. Center of the eyebrows is Ajna chakra. The Svadhisthana uh, is in the head. This is second chakra. The Raja Yoga is above the neck. Ajna, which is the, the term for sixth chakra, Ajna is triangular. And this triangular is the place of mukti, liberation. The here, in quotes, the here is the Jivatma. And the other is Paramatma. Both in union is Chidambara, consciousness sky, meaning uh, Chittakash. Chit is the mental activity. Sat is infinite. And so one uh, phrase for complete and perfect enlightenment is uh, Sat Chit Ananda, which is the Ananda, or bliss, of Sat Chit. Now here he's saying sat is the infinite. Sat can also be understood as truth or reality. The, the truth of reality, which is uh, as it is-ness, which is tat or suchness, right? So tat, like tathagata, the such come one in Buddhism, or tatata, suchness, thusness, as it is-ness, is a term for reality <laughs> beyond any ignorance or reality as it is, that can only be known when we're completely and perfectly enlightened. Okay, so that's up ahead, not now. Satchit would be here infinite mental activity, but actually uh, that sounds a little strange, like somebody's uh, never stopping to think, you know, incessant thinking. So satchit as infinite mental activity. Um, <laughs> see the problem with translations. I would rather translate satchit as um, reality awareness, uh, unbound awareness of reality, infinite or boundless awareness of reality. 
or awareness of boundless, uh, the awareness of boundless reality, or awareness of reality, which is boundless. Boundless meaning infinite. And that means that there's non-duality, of course. And so, satchit, that kind of awareness of reality that is um, completely non-dual and um, ultimately going to be of omniscience. And ultimately, as far as I can tell, only when a being is free of the need to reincarnate in the octave. And that satchit is blissful. So it's satchit ananda, the bliss of uh, infinite awareness, the bliss of awareness, non-dual awareness of boundlessness or reality that is infinite. Okay. So then he at the top he's saying throat chakra, fifth ray is muladhara. So the fifth chakra is the root chakra where originates kundalini. What kundalini? Well, the kundalini coming from root, from the fifth ray up. This is very funny because it basically... Um, suggests that um, the great work, um, one one phase or an advanced or the final or an advanced phase, which may be the final phase of seven chakra working, is particularly a five six seven. That's true, meaning that's one way to look at it. That while um, complete and perfect enlightenment would be some kind of unique unique perfection of seven rays for an individual, the final phase or a late stage is very much associated with the working of five, six, seven. And there's something special about fifth ray that's different than fourth ray, which is its proximity to the head chakra six, seven. Ross said that um, there's a big difference. You can look into this. I forgot their exact words, but uh, fifth ray partakes of the power, intelligent energy, uh, of the sixth chakra, right? Indigo ray, form maker body, the etheric body energy field of sixth ray, is of intelligent energy, which is, you know, what comes down from intelligent infinity. So contact with intelligent infinity is in many ways the link between six and seven. Intelligent infinity at the crown, which is not at the crown, <laughs> but, you know, when all seven chakras are completed or perfected, uh, one has that satchit. So in uh, seventh chakra um, development, it's not even development, it's really completion of the work on the first six. When the first six are completed, uh, one through six is fully um, integrated with seven. And that means one through six, mind, body, and the personal spirit complex are all in satchit, infinite awareness. Uh, unbound, uh, non-dual awareness. That's really done by the work on chakras one through six. And it's not, the, the crown chakra is not worked upon. It's just um, the satchit that's always available, but is only accessed when one has completed the work on one through six. I mean, I haven't done that work, so I can't say for sure, but it looks like that to me. But while satchit or intelligent infinity is accessed at six chakra at seventh chakra by its contact with six chakra at six chakra what manifests is intelligent energy that's also called prana it's also called uh, light with a capital l which is love light light love that seems to me the same as numa in greek prana sanskrit chi chinese ki japanese uh, it's it's 
the way of the pneumatic. The matic, pneumatic is like the Gnostic from Greek. Is the one filled with spirit, the spiritualized one. And so for it, one way to look at this, or how I would look at this, is that in the final phase of the working on the seven rays, the throat chakra um, plays the role of root chakra for the final integration of mind-body, chakras one through five, uh, one way to look at it, uh, ray is one through five, integrating with spirit, which is chakra six, seven. So the head, there's a certain, the proximity to spirit uh, of fifth ray gives it a special power or accesses intelligent energy in a way that heart chakra cannot, actually. Because in, in some sense, you know, even though there's the 246 line, and you can say that there's a resonance between sixth ray and fourth, of course, it's sort of the intrinsic non-duality of, of love. You know, when, when there's real, the perfection of love, of course, is a non-dual, is non-dual awareness. And uh, there's no awareness of non-duality without this, this blossoming of true love and unconditional acceptance. So six and four are quite resonant. But how well they re- are relate or interplay depends on five, the bridge. Fifth ray is the bridge from four to six, six down to four. So it's critical. And presumably, <laughs> somebody who's in a, the, the, at the end of the path like a third stage adept in Buddhism, moving on to Arahan, um, is pretty well developed, one through five. And then they're completing the work of uh, particularly uh, integration of one through five and six, seven, which is one through five could be called chakras of mind-body, six, seven chakras of spirit complex. And in some ways, then, then one through five uh, manifests or is centered in the throat chakra, and of course, communication is no issue. <laughs> and then all the qualities of throat chakra are well developed. Ra talked about four qualities of, green, of a blue ray, fifth chakra. One is to deeply know your own self or your own mind complex. The second is to be able to express that and communicate it. The third is to know well the mind of others. And the fourth um, is to comprehend and make, to, to work well with the communication, the verbal communications of others. So knowing and communicating of my mind or this mind and self, knowing and receiving and interplaying with the communication of other, other self, knowing their mind and being able to work well with their communication. That's pretty much perfected, nearly perfected for the third stage adept in Buddhism. But they haven't made a final integration of one through five and six, seven. And I think that's similar to what he's saying. So then he says, <laughs> uh, for this throat chakra, or when throat chakra, fifth ray, is akin to muladhara, root chakra, for the final working, this throat chakra, or this condition of throat chakra, is the center of the heart sky, Tretakash, the center of the eyebrows. <laughs> so there's some union of fifth ray and four and six. Uh, the center of the heart sky. Is that sixth ray? Is that fourth ray? The center of the eyebrows is Ajna. Uh, is that, uh, you know, that sixth ray integration. But uh, 
just like there's this shuttle to intelligent infinity, Ron talked about the gateway to intelligent infinity. What is that gateway? The gateway is sixth ray, is Ajna Chakra, because that is the way of making contact with intelligent infinity at seven. Six make contact with seven. Only uh, to the degree that that one through five is perfected, or six is is in harmonious uh, coordination of chakras one through five. And so, throat chakra, this throat chakra is the center of heart sky. Um, you know, at that at the end of the path, the seven, the distinctions of the seven chakras dissolve pretty rapidly, and so uh, the the integration of six seven comes out through speech in five, and the knowing of mind and others and reality uh, that is very much fifth ray is fully informed with with love or unconditional acceptance and non-duality and an awareness of the metaphysical and some sense of um, the boundlessness of reality beyond perception. So four and six and seven. All of those are are highly integrated, four, five, six, seven, at the end of the path. So then Svadhisthana, which is very much... um, Svadha, uh, it's very much of uh, second chakra as far as I remember, is in the head. <laughs> and this is a very nice way of putting that the, sec- the, the second ray uh, and the sixth ray, the six-two chakra band, is perfected at that point. And so uh, I, the conscious mind becomes one with Atman. Um, the conscious mind is not obstructive to Atmanic radiation or atmanic um, energy um, transfer or the sixth ray field. The second ray and the sixth ray uh, become one again. And and the personal self becomes um, dissolved into the universal um, atma. And then that, but that's not the end either. <laughs> Raja yoga is above the neck. So the kingly yoga is basically the final working in the head chakras. Ajna is triangular. That's a typical yogic con- uh, design or, or understanding of the structure of uh, sixth ray is triangular. One way to look at that is that it's uh, it uh, one aspect is its downward focus to chakras one through five. Another is its own being, like Swababa. And the third aspect uh, is its relation to seven, the gateway to intelligent infinity. That's one way of looking at the, the trinity, the, the trinitarian or triadic structure or nature of um, six ray. This is all specialized stuff, but actually it becomes very useful <laughs> when one is uh, doing a lot of work between green and uh, uh, green blue indigo. So in this triangular is the place of mukti, liberation. Okay, so it's, in fact, there's no full development of sixth ray without love. And that's why the negatives, while they have some access to intelligent energy and they can do magic with power and prana, um, they're very deficient. And that's why there's no negative entity in sixth density. So, because uh, there's an aspect of of sixth ray, Ajna Chakra, that is... uh, dependent on the condition of the lower five. And the lower five are not perfected when heart is still blocked. Anyway, he said the here is Jivatma and the other is Paramatma. 
here could be this octave and the other next octave. <laughs> the c- perfection in this octave is six density. The perfection of Atman in in itself is go to eight density. Both in union is Chidambara, consciousness sky, uh, Chittakash. <clears throat> and that's the union of Jivatma and Paramatma, which seems to me very clearly um, the individual um, fused into the boundless or the sub sub logos Atman uh, going into eighth density, becoming at one with logos. Now there's a verse on Pranayama. Rechaka, Nityananda said, Rechaka is the drawing up of the breath. Kumbhaka is to suspend it there, meaning breath retention. Puraka is to let it down, letting letting it down within. So there's raising the breath and lowering the breath, but in terms of, in, in, in its relation to the chakras and the nadis. From the same rice, many are the eatables that are prepared. Likewise, all is done by breath alone. Only the sound is different, meaning the vibratory expression. Inner pranayama is inner working. The Shiva Shakti within oneself is led within to join the Brahmarandra, crown chakra. So there's drawing in the breath, there's holding the breath, there's letting it out. But the inhalation, retention, exhalation cycle uh, is simply the vehicle by which the person, the practitioner, does an inner working where there's visualization and movement, some conscious movement of the breath, the vayu slash prana, right? The prana of the vayu, the prana or intelligent energy associated with the breath or the wind or the air, uh, moving it up and down the, the sushumna, or in relation to certain chakras. You can get into big, big trouble by mistaken, misguided pranayama practice. Uh, one can get very stuck in ways that nobody can help you. Uh, nobody, except for higher self um, or higher entities, way beyond the astral. Uh, if you screw up your etheric webbing and uh, screw things up by uh, misguided pranayama, <laughs> so, be careful. <clears throat> Meanwhile, like um, there are many uh, eatables made from rice, there are uh, countless forms of consciousness or expressions of consciousness that come out of uh, prana. The condition of the seven chakras is the basis of the um, apparent nearly infinite variety of entities in creation. All the entities in creation... Uh, they look different, <laughs> they have different body form, even of the same species, there's many differences, certainly from the human level up. And that's all done by the seven rays, the distinctions, the unique, unique configuration of the seven rays. That configuration is done by prana itself. You know, what, what makes uh, a chakra the way it is? Well, it's energy condition. Well, that's prana. Well, that's associated with consciousness for the human and up. And so all done by breath or prana uh, with uh, the myriad variations uh, of its expression shown by the 10,000 things or all creatures in the octave. And only the sound is different, meaning their, their vibratory expression. 
and the goal of that pranayama, or the perfection of the seven, is that this Shiva Shakti, or union, basically, it, it's using light to reunite source and its manifestation, to return uh, the sound to its source, to return pranava to, uh, to Brahma, to return um, the manifest seven chakra light display beingness to its source. And so Shakti, uh, Shiva at the crown and Shakti at the root, to reunite, uh, reunite the being that is temporarily in a seven chakra light display energy field apparent self in the octave. It's very straightforward, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's insane. Most people couldn't hear this or think I'm crazy or whatever. But I think that's a pretty straight description of what's going on. Uh, the seven chakras are um, standing fields of light, um, meaning intelligent energy, in seven sounds. The seven colors are the seven sounds. And in fact, you know, of course, in Hindu or you know, Vedantic yoga, each of the chakras is associated with a syllable and a sound and a color and uh, all sorts of things and a being even, a deity, all that came later. And so returning the seven to the one um, is to return um, that which is aware or a portion of awareness itself from its embodied form-identified condition of dual consciousness, dualistic consciousness, the sense of self, right? Finishing the last fetters, <clears throat> going beyond any kind of uh, craved and experienced um, illusory subjectivity or separative existence back to source. And that's very much the Shiva Shakti within oneself led, to, led within up the Sushumna to join Brahmarandra uh, that's the path back home, and that's how beingness returns to source. Bottom 54, Nityananda said, Shiva Shakti is infinite. Shiva Shakti is salvation. Shiva Shakti is the upward breath. It is the prana vayu, right? So prana as intelligent energy, and vayu as the physical manifestation, as breath or wind or air. It is omkara, uh, the, the making of Om. It is Pranava, the original sound. Creation ensues from Pranava, meaning all of the light-filled display of seven dimensions comes out of the original sound, which is letting there be light, the action of free will upon love. Pranava is the body consciousness and Omkara, the consciousness of the self. Omkara is the dried coconut. The smaller joins the bigger, the river joins the sea. Mental modifications are the river, and the infinite Shakti is the sea. A burning paper loses itself in fire, the mind does in the self. The junction of all the roads, whether five or six, is one. One can go by foot or go by train. The body is the train to come and go, or the body is the train to go and come. Actually, it's better that he said to go and come. <clears throat> it means to go on the journey of coming home. Uh, soul evolution is the going 
the final attainment is the coming back home. So it's a very beautiful. He now he's talking from buddhi and uh, you know his complete enlightenment. We can make a distinction of Shiva Shakti, crown and root chakra. Um, the Polaris. Ra talked about this. I mean, Ra talking about Kundalini is talking about the North Pole, the South Pole. North Pole crown, South Pole root, Muladhara. The union being the great, moving the point of union up the spine to the crown, being the work of soul evolution. <clears throat> and that's that's how um, beings are evaluated in terms of their relative level of development. Uh, being where the two um, the two pole energy poles or Shiva Shakti meet, how far up the spine equals it's where they basically reside, <clears throat> the default meeting point, and the higher up, the higher the dimensional reincarnation allowable, or or uh, deserved or uh, achieved by the entity. Meanwhile, that that apparent duality of crown and root um, is non-dual <laughs> when seen from the view of non-duality. Shiva Shakti is salvation. It's uh, salvation to the infinite. And its true nature is infinite. And so realizing its true nature is salvation or mukti. It's the upward breath. You can call it that. It's pranavayu, <clears throat> the um, energy basis in air or breath. And then all these other terms, pranava and omkara. So creation comes out of the original sound, pranava, like om. And then <clears throat> he can make. We can make a distinction. I mean, most. I, I don't. I imagine that there's nobody else talking like this, like he does, uh, because there are other ways of of defining these same terms. But he's coming out of his experience, uh, and. It's useful to <laughs> to integrate, to understand as best we can what he's saying and put this together with our own experience and other readings and other learnings. Pranava also can be called, or he wrote, he said, Pranava is body consciousness, omkara, the consciousness of self. So, <clears throat> uh, in some ways, um, the union of uh, mind-body with spirit could be considered a union of Pranava and omkara. This is, is, are they the same? Are they different? <clears throat> well, what's different is the same. That's the point. What What is dual is non-dual. Or what appears non-dual is in its true nature. What appears dual um, or differentiated is itself non-dual and non-differentiated. <laughs> the finite is the infinite, right? Form is emptiness, emptiness is form. Things are not as they appear, nor are they otherwise. So form is emptiness, emptiness is form. Buddhist saying from the Heart, heart Sutra, uh, or Prajna Paramita. Uh, <clears throat> form, meaning our, the appearance of multiplicity, the many, is empty. Empty what? Well, Gautama talked about emptiness too, before, long before Mahayana. But he was really saying that enlightenment is um, empty of the kleshas, of craving, of clinging, of upadana skanda, of um, all ignorance-based uh, grasping, aversion, uh, and delusion. Uh, that nirvana, nibban, the complete and perfect 
enlightened uh, awareness or reality achievement is free of everything other than itself. It is free of all um, all the ten fetters, all the kleshas. Um, it's free of birth and death. It's free of dukkha. It's free of reincarnation. Free of uh, stress. And so that's the original meaning. But form is empty. Is You see, the Mahayana got into uh, phenomenology a lot. They got into discussion of phenomena, where Gautama was really talking about mind in the undeveloped state and in the completed state. And so the Mayanists in China and Tibet uh, particularly uh, became much more phenomenological, meaning talking about phenomena and how things really are out there. Um, also talking about mind, but uh, how things are out there is, a, is a, the result of how things are of mind or awareness. Uh, and so form is emptiness <laughs> commonly would be that what appears to be dual and differentiated multiplicity of many forms is in its true nature empty of all those characteristics. Those characteristics are illusory. Differentiation is apparent but not essential. It's apparently substantial but it's not essentially um, abiding. It's just like the appearance of fire. It appears, and when the fuel is gone, it's gone. When the fuel is out, the appearance is over, because the appearance was only a temporary manifestation anyway, but it abides for a certain period of time and then falls away. Anyway, when he's saying that um, pranava is body consciousness and omkara consciousness of self, that's different than him saying that <laughs> Shiva Shakti is omkara, is pranava, meaning they're synonymous. So are they synonymous or are they not? Well, they are and they are not both. You can say all is one, and you can differentiate within that one uh, of the qualities of the many, <laughs> if you are still with me here. So you can say that, that the consciousness of body um, is pranava, is what comes out of omkara, and omkara is a consciousness of self, which is very much like eighth fetter or subjectivity. So one is aware or one has the awareness or a sense, I have a body. After one has the sense, I am a me. <laughs> right? So omkara is this self-consciousness, which is um, the sense of I am a subject and everything else is an object. And what comes out of that is uh, I have a body or I have a form. And that's the body consciousness. So omkara, the dried coconut, <laughs> and, and uh, what's most important is what's inside. The smaller joins the bigger. Yeah, right. Rivers join the sea. Mm. Mental modifications of the river and infinite shakti, the sea. And so burning paper loses itself in fire. The mind does in the self. And so manas is absorbed into buddhi, and manas buddhi is absorbed into atman. And Atman gets absorbed into uh, Paramatman. And Paramatman is at one with the Logos. And that's the path. And that's like a, a nesting, you know, holography. So what seems to be smaller is simply a more focused manifestation of uh, the greater. Yet it's not separate from the greater. It's really the result of limited perception. And as perception becomes increasingly unlimited, Right? The doors of perception being cleansed, uh, 
as Blake, William Blake said. Um, more and more we see that the finite is boundless, or the many is one, and the one is a brilliant light, and that light is a face of God, and God is a being and a principle. And we can apply anthropomorphic view and say God the Father, God the Mother, God the One Infinite Creator, and God or the inf that God also as intelligent infinity completely uh, transpersonal. So we can personalize and we can non-personalize. Anyway, <laughs> the junction of all roads is one, and you can go any way you wish. You can go slowly, you can go quickly, you can go by this technique or that, by foot or by train. Uh, the body is the train. You can even say that the seven chakras and seven energy fields is the train or the vehicle for the logos, for apparently separative logoic awareness to return to source, which is prior to light, preliminal. The Godhead in the in the seven rays, in the seven energy field vehicles, because who is who is the one speaking, right? You know, you can identify it with mind body or mind body spirit or Atman, but who is that? These are all forms, uh, vehicles of infinity, of the Logos. And so, uh, create, soul evolution is the return of the temporarily um, light-identified intelligent energy, light-identified Logos in vehicles of light, seven chakras, seven energy fields, um, moving from self-consciousness back to universal awareness, from ahamkara, to Satchit. Ba-boom. So the whole evolution is basically going from Ahamkara, the made sense of self or subjectivity that begins in self-consciousness in, in third density human, returning uh, Ahamkara to Satchit. I think that's a good way of putting it. Next, um, page uh, 55. Asana, seating posture, like in yoga, in, in Hatha Yoga, Asana, seating posture, is the station. Sukhasana, happy seat. <laughs> That's sukha, like dukkha, sukha, 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 asana. Sukhas, sukha, asana is like happy or pleasant asana. He wrote it as happy seat. Happy seat is the Raja Yoga. Asana is the seat. Right? So asana, like body posture in Hatha Yoga, is a seating, is a position or a station. A happy one is the kingly yoga. <laughs> um, it, the the happy the the sukasana sukasana is actually samadhi. I mean, a, a clear mind, a pleasant mind, equanimity, right? Um, shamatha, samatha as equanimity, or shamatha is actually tranquility. It's not too much different. Shamatha coming out of samadhi very much associated with um, the Brahma-Vihara of equanimity. Um, I forgot the, the, the Pali on that. Upeka, Upeka is uh, equanimity, fourth Brahma-Vihara. This is a happy seat. <laughs> Upeka is Sukhasana. Upeka is Sukhasana. Next, to bring one's Shakti under control, like in Pranayama technique, is Samadhi. Samadhi is the upward breath, that's an interesting way of putting it. Let me restrain myself. 
Nichinanda said, to bring one's shakti under control is samadhi. Samadhi is the upward breath. The upward breath is taraka brahma, brahma in the head. When upward breath, like upward spiraling light, is attained, the whole world is within you. It is the same in all creatures. Raja, yogi, is one with the infinite movement, talking, sitting, or walking. Raja yoga is like sitting upstairs and looking below. Raja yoga is the chief among all yogas. When buddhi and knowledge are together, that is Raja yoga. It is peace, devoid of form, devoid of quality. Bliss has no quality. And what has no quality, whatever, is jivan mukti, meaning liberated jiva or soul. It's a beautiful verse here and um, not so hard to understand, not too obscure. Um, like the way of, of pranayama, where there is a lot of control and direction, which is different than anapanasati or mindfulness-based Buddhist practices, which um, are of less control. Pranayama, which is not necessarily a problem. I mean, I don't do it, but um, one can get into big trouble. <laughs> but um, uh, knowing there's no one controlling or having a close teacher who will make sure that you don't get stuck in a directive technique, by directive technique like controlling breath, um, would allow a directive technique like that to uh, lead one all the way. To bring Shakti under control or control the upward spiraling light is Samadhi. Samadhi is the upward breath, upward spiraling light, the prana, pranic flow from root to crown. Um, when there's some steady pulsing flow or current of prana from root to crown, that's associated with samadhi. It's an interesting way of putting it. Uh, qualitatively, we say that samadhi is uh, one-pointedness, concentration, calm abiding, quiet mind, equanimity, tranquility to some degree, absolutely, non-proliferation of skamskara or not heavy thinking involved, clarity, abiding, attentiveness. Um, that comes from a steady upward flow of prana from root to crown. I would imagine that. <clears throat> then, when upward breath is attained, the whole world is within you. <laughs> One sees that the seen is the seer. Uh, it's the same in all creatures, or there's this one sing single-mindedness or equal-sightedness. Raja yogi, meaning the one who does raja yoga, is one with infinite movement or um, the activity of 10,000 things. Mm, talking, sitting, or walking, right? Like different foundations of mindfulness. Uh, of course, the enlightened person <laughs> is enlightened no matter what their body activity is. This is also um, experienceable in meditation. Raja Yoga is like sitting upstairs looking below. One can very clearly have the experience in meditation and then out that, that I is here in the calm mind head looking out upon creation. And while there's a home called body, um, I'm in the penthouse <laughs> of the home of the house, the body, the house of the body, the, the temporary home that is the housing of the body. In the upper story, I see um, phenomena uh, arising, persisting, and passing away. And so, like sitting upstairs and looking below, yes. 
<laughs> Raja Yoga, the chief among all yogas. And so there are, you know, there's Ashtanga Yoga, like eight limbs of yoga, Ashta, eight. Um, the people say, oh, do you do yoga? Well, that means do you do Hatha Yoga, which is one of multiple uh, traditions of yoga, technique, line, lineages, or forms of yogic practice. So Hatha is one of them, Raja is another, Pranayama is another, Kundalini Yoga is akin to Pranayama Yoga, Tantra Yoga could be, Karma Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, all of these are uh, ways up the mountain. So he said, and there's a lot of, there are a lot of others would agree, (laughs) some people won't disagree. Raja Yoga, the chief among all yogas, <clears throat> because it's basically um, focusing on um, the, 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 the technique um, is quite close to the goal. <laughs> You're not moving your body around into asanas, uh, seeking to transform mind or awareness. It's moving, it's working directly on mind um in a very subtle way uh to realize that um the goal is already intrinsic to um manifestation that that the it's it's working on mind knowing that its true nature um is already present anyway uh raja yoga is particularly meditation but there's even more subtle forms of it than, than techniques in meditation. Anyway, he said, when buddhi and knowledge are together, there's Raja Yoga. That knowledge is vidya. And so the opposite is avidya, tenth fetter, or the basic cause of craving or subjectivity. Uh, when there's buddhi and vidya, um, that's Raja Yoga. And so there's Raja Yoga as a technique and practice to the goal and there's Raja Yoga as a manifestation of the goal. So, like sitting upstairs and looking below um, is akin to the goal of uh, detachment and stability and clarity and high sensitivity and altitude. And so, <clears throat> meanwhile, <laughs> you can say that the, the culmination of Raja Yoga, of course, is Bukti or liberation, uh, <clears throat> that is peace, it's formless, it's without quality. And so saying bliss has no quality um, is, a no, is a nice way of explaining what he means by bliss or ananda. And that is jivan mukti. And so enlightenment is not a state of mind. And the goal, I mean, I'm not finished, so what do I know? But <clears throat> it's not, it's the deathless. And the deathless is the birthless. And the birthless is what hasn't arisen. It's not a thing it's not phenomenal. It's trans or it's non-phenomenal. Enlightenment is non-phenomenal. It's not something that arises. It's what remains when there's no more, um, there, there, there's no more craving, clinging, ignorance, basis for uh, perception and subjective consciousness. <laughs> so, <clears throat> bottom, close to bottom, page fifty-five. Nityananda said, creation and dissolution are in prakriti. To go apart from prakriti is creation. 
and to merge in it is dissolution. To be conscious of nothing else but oneself is creation. In Raja Yoga there is no karma or prescribed mode of action, nor worship of Shiva, nor a particular place as such. All these take place in the upper center. The bowing is done in the upper breath itself. A bow within one's own heart reaches everywhere. Wow. So he's talking about the different uh, lines of yoga here a bit, <clears throat> and talking about the the um, cosmological um, uh, linked to the epistemological. Cosmological meaning the process uh, by which uh, creation is generated. <laughs> From what? So, let there be light is um, cosmogenesis, the genesis or creation of light. Let there be light. Light as the basis of um, manifest creation. But that also is of a sequence and arises and passes away. So, its arising is creation, its passing away is dissolution. It's all in Prakriti. Prakriti, uh, I actually should have looked this up. It's, it's, um, one, I find a good way. <laughs> there are many ways of translating these terms. Uh, you can call it nature. Um, you can call it source. See, all of these things are off because translators are only as good as their realization. Teachers are only as valuable or at least as um, clear and accurate in teaching as their relative, as their level of relative realization. And so, me too. I'm only as use, only as clear as I've attained, like you too. So, prakriti as nature, or source. Um, we can call it source, true nature, uh, cosmological true nature, the true nature of of, of existence. Um, if creation and dissolution are in it then you can say that's logoic that gives rise to light and then the light ends at the end of a cosmological cycle. So to go apart from creation, from Prakriti, it's sort of like a big bang, letting there be light is creation. To merge in it or returning of phenomena back to source or the entity achieving you know union with Paramatman, Atman going back to Paramatman, is a merging that is of dissolution. So there's a generate and return. To be conscious of nothing else but oneself is creation. This oneself is not I, the conscious mind, or body-mind identification. It's um, the all what, what Gautama is called the all-around I, E-Y-E. Oh, all-around I. All-seeing I. <laughs> I mean, all-seeing eye is originally, is essentially a term for the Logos, or a, a completely enlightened being. So the negatives always co-opt everything. All they have is God's work to relabel. They co-opt everything they can because everything is God's work. Everything is Logoic. And all they do is reframe and relabel and co-opt and reverse and darken and distort. <laughs> so... We have, a, we have a very close view of, of what they're doing here in this world at this time. We can see some real uh, uh, 
negative, ba- negative abasive beingness, negatively oriented souls in play in human uh, society, internationally, globally at this time. More than ever before, those, I, I'd say, that are uh, negative abasive beingness are showing themselves. And um, their hangers on are hanging on tight. And um, they're making their moves uh, before their before their time on the stage here is over. So, in Raja Yoga, and so now he's explaining more about what Raja Yoga is for him, or how he understands it. It's 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 working on mind and consciousness directly without with a minimal technique, with the minimal of technique and manipulation. It's quite different than Pranayama Yoga. And in fact, here he's distinguishing it from other forms of yoga. There is no karma, he means no karma yoga. Karma or prescribed mode of action, that's like karma yoga, which is actually, it's basically the, the yoga or spiritual path of activity, particularly of service. And so that's seva, S-E-V-A, seva yoga. Ram, Ram Das talked about that a lot. So he's saying in Raja Yoga, which is directly working on mind and consciousness, it isn't of prescribed modes of action or karma yoga. It's not of bhakti yoga or devotional practice worship of Shiva. It's not about pilgrimage or going to a particular place. It's, he said all these take place in the upper center, <laughs> the uh, penthouse. The upper center, of course, is 6-7 or um, Chittakash. And then in terms of bowing, I mean, he probably, again, was working with devotees who did different practices on different lineages with different teachers and had different views of, of the path. And he's saying it's all done internally. The bowing is done in the upper breath itself. <laughs> Ooh. So bow, bow to the uh, pranic flow uh, in, in, the, uh, in the crown. Bow within one's own heart reaches everywhere. Bow, meaning a devotional, um, a devotional practice, um, is best done internally. Um, devotion to a true heart, devotion to upward spiraling light or breath, uh, moving um, from Shakti to Shiva or the Shiva Shakti union, as upper breath or breath in the upper chambers or in the head, in the head chakras. The, the movement of five, six, seven, the the, the circuit, uh, the energy circuit of prana, uh, particularly of five, six, seven, could be called the the realm of the upper breath, and bowing within one's heart is sort of a devotion to that great work, with great open heart. Uh, let me just see about time here. Yeah, I'll do one more and then we'll close for today. Bridging 5556, um, I may not comment much on it, but uh, useful to read. To realize oneself, or sorry, to realize oneness in oneself is to attain Brahmanhood, Pindanda, microcosm, is what is seen outside, meaning inside-outside. What is seen inside is the Brahman, Brahmanda, it's not Brahmananda, it's Bra, not Brahmarandra, it's sort of the realm of Brahma. What is seen inside is the Brahmanda macrocosm. 
Brahmanda is not created. Creation is for the mind, not for the Atman. For the mind, there is fear and all, meaning all things. For the body sense, all is creation. Place the world within yourself and you have no fear. There is fear only if there are jewels on the person. When they are not, there is no sorrow. Theirs is the equal vision. Those with desire have the physical sight. They seek differences. Desire impels action. Desirelessness is liberation, mukti. Absence of desire for fruit is mukti. It is the state of avadutta, the subtle state. The yani, the realized yana, realizing yana, or the Gnostic, the yani has inner vision. He has no mind. He realizes the same self everywhere. There is no division for him. All is one, whole. Division obtains for the gross. The inner breath is not separate, divided. It is one or whole. It is whole, one. So the inner breath, outer breath, non-dual, dual, desire, desirelessness. Um, this is the you know, polarity of soul evolution, the, the way, the, the polarity of um, reincarnation versus freedom, or suffering versus freedom from suffering. Um, and so, very much uh, the dual, duality of inner-outer is finished. And you can see that he really knew, he really was there. He would talk to the train, and the train would start, the train would stop. He just made things happen. <laughs> Gold appeared out of his hand to pay daily laborers uh, standing under a tree. He would just gold think gold coins or something would just appear out of his hand. Uh, countless miracles were done. He told the uh, he told the uh, sensation of pain in his arm to go to the other guy who did it to him, and it did. And uh, he stopped it when he wanted, and stopped it and stopped the pain from the other guy. He controlled the sensory experience of another person. <laughs> by mind. So that's kind of uh, some tangible achievement of non-duality. And that's where he's coming, is that there's mind and there's no mind, or there's lower mind and there's the upper, manas and buddhi, and the buddhi goes to non-duality. And at that point, the outer is the inner, or the outer and inner is known as the self. And that self is not a personal. <clears throat> it's a transpersonal um so-called identity. It's not a, it's not a defined identity. Uh, Sat-chit is known as one's true nature. Uh, the self is Sat-chit. And Sat-chit is not a personal matter. And um, it's obviously non-dual. Meaning it's not of, I'm here and that's there. So creation is of the mind. Fear is of the mind. Desire is of the mind. That's of differences, and the alternative to that is desirelessness, or liberation, um, no more fear, and uh, that's the awareness of Atman, that's the on the way to uh, Satchit. And then, <laughs> finally, he said, uh, the Yani has inner vision, he has no mind, Right? Um, the crystallized healer has no will, said Ra. A very harmonious, very similar teaching. So that'll be it for today.
<laughs> it's wonderful and never ending and nitya uh, nitya nitya so um, next time we'll pick up in the middle of 56 and uh, continue the discussion I hope this was useful to you certainly it's deep and beautiful uh, please take good care of yourselves and uh, presumably class will continue next week and through we may take some time off for Christmas and New Year's but we'll see and uh, thanks for being here. Please take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night.